Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment hitting your screens, both big and small, because it's the 21st century and watching comics is literally a thing. It's an exciting time to be alive. My name is Mitch. My co-host is Jake. And we're just a couple of geek dads bringing you our favorite subject matter because, well, if we talked about it with our wives, they would just roll their eyes. So here we have a podcast. Anyway, so excited to be here. We got some great stuff planned. It's a big one. It's a good one. But before we move on, got to do it because I'm a good friend. Jake, how you doing, buddy? So I think that I mentioned on here, I, I feel like I need to bring this up. You already know this story, Mitch. Um, <laughs> but, but our listeners don't, which means it's not real. Our listeners were not at my daughter's birthday party yesterday, so they haven't heard it yet. Um, oh, yes. So, I was at this birthday party and it was a yeah, lot of fun. It was a great, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, here in uh, middle Nebraska, we had some storms. I think I mentioned on here a few weeks ago, like the saga of me spending a month trying to build a playset for my kids. Yeah, man. Yeah, and a it freaking nearly... tree fell on it. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing is that the place that nearly beat you and I... you thought you had conquered the damn thing. <laughs> and then Mother Nature was like, no. So full disclosure, it's still standing and the damage is all cosmetic. But I did at about midnight hear a huge crash in my backyard and go out to find several boards had been destroyed on this thing less than two weeks after I completed it. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> we can confirm that I am not gamma irradiated because I would have become the Hulk in that moment, my friend. So we, we've also learned that you're not a lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> or I am because like the swing and the slides still work or the slide in the swings. There's only one slide, multiple swings. Um, we, we, we talked about this at the party yesterday too, yeah. which is if the, if the branch would have fully destroyed the thing and you wouldn't have replaced it, that probably would have started the, the slow descent into therapy for your kids too. Like my dad built me the playground yeah. and then it uh, broke and then he never replaced it. What does that mean? He left it out there shattered. We don't know what it represents. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> so all that aside, uh, today's been a great day, super relaxing, uh, you know, it's been really nice. Uh, how are you, my friend? You you always start us off on such a friendly note. And then I sit here and like gripe about my life. How are you doing, well, Mitch? The, what, what else is a podcast with two white dudes good for than being our excuse for therapy, right? But I think I'm doing it's fine. It's certainly cheaper. It's certainly cheaper. Um, I'm doing fine, man. You know what I realized, though, in our last episode, I didn't give our final update on our T-ball team. Yeah, we so sponsored I need to, a T-ball team. Yes. I need to give a brief update here. If you're a first-time listener, I'll give you a quick catch-up. If you're a returning listener, you've been waiting for this for a while. But um, the Watching Comics podcast sponsored a local T-ball team here in town because what else is a good indie podcast for than for you know supporting community? And my daughter was on the team. She convince me to coach because I, I will at the time I thought it was a good idea anyway <laughs> 
we finished the season. I'm pleased to report that even though we don't keep score at the T-ball games and there's no winners or losers, we went undefeated. There is really out of the eight games, only like one game that I felt like we were probably outplayed. So maybe we're like seven and one. But as I said before, we got better. Legitimate fielding happened in every game. Like I'm convinced that from a defensive perspective, we could play for the Kansas City Royals. We are no worse than them. And my daughter's swing is just a thing of beauty. She like, she really leaned into that thing, man. And she's, she's got the, she's got the bat speed and she's got the swagger. Okay. So to come full circle, I can attest to the strength of your daughter's swing because Mm -hmm. I held the pinata yesterday while she took a swipe at it. And uh, she was one of just a handful of the kids that almost got me. And yeah, uh, so she's got a swing, man. I was it's, it's fierce. I was legitimately then, concerned in a good way. She came up to me afterwards and she goes, Daddy, did you see that I did my T-ball form? We <laughs> <laughs> like the man standing three feet away from you also saw it as the yeah, <laughs> as his life flashed before his eyes. But anyway, the watching comics podcast, Little League team had a fantastic season. Thank you, listeners, for your support. Um, right now we're tentatively planning to rope in Jake and one of his kids to join the team next year. And we will co-coach and sponsor another team, but TBD we're 11 months out from that. I'm just happy that the kids had fun. They all got better. And for the love of God, I survived (laughs) for a while there. We didn't know. We didn't know it was, it was touch and go for a moment, (laughs) touch and go for a moment, but anyway, there it is. So, okay. The real reason y'all are here. If you've read the episode description or the title or whatever, you know that we've got the goods for you one, because a new Marvel movie, like a new Marvel movie actually dropped. And it feels weird to be sitting here like 18 months after the last one, right? It's been a while. So like, it's almost foreign to say like, Hey, we had a new Marvel movie dropped, which is really cool. But before we get into that, Got to roll out the red carpet as best we can. Um, Our interns put together a really cool display here that no one can see because it's audio only, but our interns are great. (laughs) Our interns don't exist. But anyway, I want to say thank you so much to Amanda. Um, Amanda, I'm going to mess up your last name again. It's Garaji. Nailed it. Yes! Amanda Garaji is here, y'all. And if you spent any time on film Twitter, you know who she is. Don't act like you don't. But just in case, uh, Amanda Garaji, she is the editor-in-chief of Candid X Cinema. She also writes for Geekly Goods and Geek Bomb. And she does, you know, podcasting on things like Cinema World and a whole lot of other things. I've worked with her on Movies Matrix before. She's a good follow. She knows her stuff. She's riding high because Italy won the whole thing today. It's a good day. But anyway, I couldn't think of a better person to riff on all that is Black Widow and everything that we are living through this weekend than her. So Amanda, welcome to the Watching Comics Podcast. It's great to have you. Oh my God, what an intro, my Ah! goodness. (laughs) I'm so honored to be here with you guys. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to dive into Black Widow with you guys and talk about Marvel. I'm just excited. You guys are awesome. It's a party now. Like we're all excited. This is happening. We're doing this thing. Yeah. So Amanda, again, thank you so much for jumping on board. I think our listeners are going to dig you if they don't know your work already. So this is going to be great. Super excited. But um. Jake, so the other kind of cool little nugget here is you and I have been friends for like 13 years 
And um, as we as we discussed on this podcast over the last year, you have moved to the same town that I live in, not for this podcast, but we like to think that it's for the podcast. I mean, but it was certainly a factor. It was certainly a factor, but also pandemic happened. Right. So we've been doing this podcast for three years. But last night was actually the first time you and I were able to be in the same place together and watching the thing we were reviewing together. <laughs> it was like it, it like, was monumental. And it actually. <laughs> I'm going to be real. Like it took me an hour to realize that I was in the room with a person that I could talk to. <laughs> and you probably noticed that's the point where I started making comments. Like for the oh, first right? hour I sat in perfect silence and then eventually it was kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm in someone else's basement. Like this. I know, right? I'm like, sitting on Mitch's right, right, over there. There. <laughs> right over there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's a thing. It happened. It, I'm excited. Like, I feel like we're legit now. Yeah. Like I think that's uh, the word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Amanda's seen Black Widow. Jake and I have seen Black Widow. So I mean, maybe we just we should just start here. All right. There's a lot to unpack here, mainly like why did they release it now? But anyway, we'll get to that. So Black Widow, it's a thing that happened with Scar Joe, Florence Pugh, the Queen herself, directed by Kate Shortland. And uh, I guess we'll just start here. I don't know. Amanda will let you go first. Give me like 30 seconds here. What's your big takeaway? What did you think about this? Good, meh bad where, where are we at here um it's good i think director kate <laughs> shortland did a fantastic job and like one of the female directors in the mcu like i'm just over the moon with how she directed the action sequences and there was a good balance between um you know emotional moments and action so i thought she did a great job there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. florence Pugh stole the show i right it's like the most unsurprising thing ever right we're like, all we're all leaning into it going like god i'm i'm excited for the movie but i'm here to watch florence Pugh. and then you yeah. watch the movie and you're like oh yeah florence Pugh is the best <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. Like, I kind of felt bad for Scarlett because she felt kind of sidelined. But, like, Florence, like, it's Florence Pugh. I I love her so much. So she knocked it out of the park. I want to cosplay as her for Halloween, as Yelena does. (laughs) So hopefully that ends up happening. I'm just, I'm so happy that she's going to be in the MCU. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I second all of that. Wonderful. Yes. All the things. Jake, um, you gave me an initial take last night right after we finished watching it at like 1 a.m., but I'm sure you have some other more like coherent thoughts. Where are you at here? Yeah, my exact words last night were, I don't want to give an official rating yet because I really needed a night of just sit and do nothing. And I'm (laughs) concerned that what I'm rating is that I'm at peace for the first time in three weeks and not the movie I just saw. I've not had a bad three weeks. Like, I want to be really clear. Like, I, I have a wonderful life. I am, I am, I'm very fortunate. And I, I'm, I try never to gripe. Everything is wonderful. It's been busy is all. Um, <laughs> last night, Mitch and I watched a movie and we're done. I'm like, boy, I'm happy. Um, okay, so with- I have 20- that effect on people. I made popcorn, you know, it's, I gave uh, you alcohol. It was a good there time. We go. It was all we needed, right? And so- um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, having uh, ruminated on it for 24 hours, I am very comfortable saying this is a top 10 Marvel film for me. And I am flirting with the idea that it's a top five, but I want to see it more than once first. Um, I I don't know. Jake coming in hot. I, okay, my expectations. Yes, we were, were, we were nervous for this movie. Here's the thing. The fact, here's what it was for me. It was two things. One, the movies up to this point had not established for me anyway, a very strong connection with the character yet. So I was not that invested in Black Widow, this incarnation of her coming in. 
Um, there was also the idea that it got moved so many times that I started to worry this was a new mutants thing where it's just they knew that they had a bomb on their hand. Oh, man. They were trying to find the best grave to bury it in. New mutants hurt so bad. It we even they talked def- about that last night. <laughs> um, so I went in with such low expectations after the last, you know, what, 12 years of waiting for it to release mm-hmm. that I, um, but it's, it's so good. I don't know what Mitch, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's more of a conversation of where I'm blown away because my expectations were so low, or am I just excited to have another Marvel movie in my life? Cause it's been a while. Maybe it's some of those things, but the movie was legitimately good. It was legitimately entertaining. And, and maybe my biggest takeaway, other than the fact that I'm excited that Florence Pugh is going to be more recognizable to casual fans now, because she deserves every good thing in the world. But like, my biggest thing was this movie was sculpted so well and was so tight. Like Kate Shortland crafted a two hour and 15 minute movie that felt like a tight 90 minutes. I never once like second screened during this thing. I didn't look at my clock and it it felt like it flew by, but it also felt perfectly well paced at the same time too. And that's y'all. We've seen a lot of these movies. That's really hard to do when you're trying to, to, to backload some character nuance with a character we've been living with for a decade, introduce a whole lot of new characters, and then also keep everything moving with action sequences and set pieces, right? The fact that that movie flowed so well and felt perfectly paced, and when the whole thing was done, it felt brisk, but it didn't feel rushed, that's, that's the sign of a tight movie to me. And so I applaud just the kind of mechanics behind that. But all that to say, wildly entertaining. I think it's a top 10 Marvel movie for me. And we can get to that a little bit later, but I absolutely loved it. So I'm glad that we're sitting here and we've all got some positive energy. So Amanda, I definitely want to give you a chance to operate here because you are definitely the doctor in this arena. So um, what are like two or three things about this movie that, that, that made it, kind of like that top tier of like, okay, this isn't just good. This is really good. What, what are two or three things that really worked for you here? Um, I really loved the family dynamic between the four of them of Alexi, Melina, Yelena, and, uh, and Natasha. I thought that was the strongest part of this entire film is that it was family centric and it brought so many emotions and heart to Natasha's backstory, which was the, you know, that's the important thing that they tried to do with Black Widow, especially because the placement is right after her death. Um, right. And, and if they're going (laughs) to lean into that, that's like to state the obvious, that's the make or break thing, right? Yeah. If you can't buy into the chemistry of the familial aspect, that movie falls Mm. flat. Exactly. So that's the one thing. And for me, it was, it was hard to watch because I love Nat and I hate the way that she died in Endgame. It really bothered me, but (laughs) you know, it's, it's what it is. I I mean, I don't think you're alone there. I mean, Clint Barton's still around, like, whatever, fine. He's there. He has his own show, whatever. And I say that I thought Clint was going to get it in that scene for the reason that I thought we had the emotional connection to him already. So Mm. I thought his death would have resonated more there. Mm. Just an interesting thing. If this movie came out before, I might have been more willing to buy into she's going to be the one. But yeah, weird. Well, and that's that's a big question I think we can unpack here in a little bit. Yeah, I know it's on the list. Yeah, this movie's placement and release date and everything. But anyway, Amanda, keep doing your thing because you're on a roll. (laughs) 
Oh, thanks. Um, I, I think that's one of them. I think the sibling dynamic also was really strong be- because there's so much you can play off of with the humor as well. Cause Yelena's the little sister and that's like the older sister. So there's yeah. that kind of banter going back and forth, especially I think it was with the second chase scene when they're in the car and like <laughs> Yelena's just like, like roasting her. It's like, do you know how to drive? Like, do you know how to get out of here? And it's just like the cutest thing. And then like the pose, You're such a poser, the such poser, a poser. like, Oh my God. And that's, that's the other thing is that even though it was the same screenwriter as Thor Ragnarok, I'm not like, this is gonna like really be bad, but I'm not a fan of Thor Ragnarok, to be perfectly honest. And I know that ever that's like top five Marvel for everybody, but um, I just felt like there were too many jokes in Thor Ragnarok where they didn't let the emotional moments breathe. So mm-hmm. in this particular script with Black Widow, yeah, there were funny moments, but at times they let these scenes breathe where Yelena could be that funny and we would be laughing and nothing would like chop that up. And even the emotional moments felt the exact same way. They let it just air out and you watch the scene and you felt that connection with them. So I felt like that was a perfect balance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the action, the action's a standout for me. The action and the score that went together, I thought that like those two were standouts. Um, and the opening, the opening was really strong as well. That, oh, okay. The the, yeah. the whole the whole opening to even the 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 um credits montage sequence even too like mm-hmm. the first the first ten minutes of that movie like if we're just talking in a vacuum I think the first ten minutes of that movie is like top tier um, moments in the MCU yeah. that was grade A storytelling in such an incredible way to hook us into the whole thing. Like I, I was in, but it didn't feel emotionally manipulative either. It just felt right. The, you know, I, I will say that that, and I mean this in the best way possible, the opening was tough for me. Um, it was really hard for me to watch because, you know, and Mitch, you and I discussed, uh, you know, now that we're parents, we're way less useful as humans, you know, you... I'm, I'm such a sucker for stuff with like fathers and daughters now because right. I got two and we're, daughters. <laughs> well, and we're like, both God. just like... We're both just like, oh yeah, you know, boss baby. People need to lay off of it, you know. And I cried at uh, I cried at boss baby too <laughs> the other day because the whole thing was about a geeky dad with glasses trying to raise two daughters to be self confident, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that, yes. So <laughs> the movie was such a mess, but I cried at the same time. Well, and that's just on? it. So like, so when the movie opens with it, hit me in so many layers, and it hit me really hard at first and then even harder later when I reflected on it because first of all I'm it's rough for me like children being abducted like Mm. that whole thing and like the whole scene where she doesn't want them to take Yelena and um the you know oh my gosh that was that one was brutal on me the other thing is the longer and I and I'm we're possibly drifting into spoiler territory here so anyone who hasn't seen it yet, brace yourself. Um, spoilers, pause, yeah. <laughs> skip, just, whatever. Just for a moment, just thematic spoilers, I suppose. You, you've been um, warned, y'all. You know, Alexi, David Harbour's, you know, just as a father, that's the character that I'm going to gravitate to as far as connection. Um, I saw an interesting thing going on there with him trying to do what was right for those two girls by helping them buy into the ideology that he thought would help them most. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a powerful message for all parents there 
about him having to come full circle with that decision that them as individual, the, the two of them as individuals is what needs to be nourished, not an ideology that they can buy into. And, and that's a powerful message for me and for all parents, I think, because I think that a lot of the worst things that we as people do are done in the name of creating a quote, better world for our children when, you know, and I think that we can justify a lot of things that way. And so for me watching Alexi, who is by far the most absurd character in the film, do that and go through that and come to that point was a really weirdly relatable thing for me. Absolutely. And, and it gave the movie, you know, and I didn't get it as we were watching it last night. It was today when I was reflecting on it, that I was like, crap now the movie's even more impactful and the second viewing's probably going to be weirder for me so well, and it also speaks to the turn of rachel vice's character right oh, and which man, is yeah. which is a little bit more subtle but it's like we 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 get to her compound where she's training the pigs which by the way jake has an idea for a spinoff <laughs> on that we'll get to that later um best idea jake has had in at least 10 days um <laughs> but like she they're, they're sitting at the table right first time they've seen each other in 21 years they're sitting at the table and rachel vice is talking about like why she's doing what she's doing and it's that whole concept of like well y'all if y'all knew saw the whole picture you would understand that sometimes controlling things from a certain perspective is the best way to sculpt the best kind of society right and then you know less than five minutes later she sees that the work that she's done has damaged you know florence Pugh, her own daughter in a sense. And then all of a sudden for the whole rest of the movie, she's on team family now. Right. That's the reason why, like, and the thing that I love about that moment is that was subtle. It wasn't so heavy handed and it trusted us audience members to be intelligent enough to pick that up, which is great. But at the same time, like that, that's a big moment, right. Where that happens, she makes that realization. And then the rest of the way she's with her family for the caper. She's not, she's not an enemy anymore. All that to say is, I agree with what y'all are saying. The family dynamic is key. That's clearly what they were banking the script to be on. Amanda, I really like the way you framed it from the standpoint of like, obviously there was humor and there was some levity there, but man, the balance was great. They really found that balance and that, that was fantastic. Um, what did y'all think about, um, let, let's talk about um, the Florence Pugh of it all for a second, right? So like, <sighs> She's got like that rare kinetic energy when she's on screen and you just like feel something, but she's also got the ability to manipulate energy to where it doesn't feel like it's the same thing all the time. Like, am I, am I the only one or are we all kind of in agreement here that she, she kind of ran circles around everybody? Like she owned this thing, right, Amanda? Yeah, honestly, when when I, I saw her, I love, I've love i loved her. She's absolutely fantastic in everything that she's in. I've been For becoming sure. such a fan. Mm -hmm. So I knew that she was going to show so much range, but she like exceeded my expectations. And when I found out, like not when I found out, when I saw at that dinner table scene where she just like outperformed all three of them at that table. And like, <laughs> I love Rachel Weiss, but- to me personally, like she kind of like phoned in this performance. Yeah. Not that I want to say that, but like she was very <laughs> underused. It's like, sis, you're an Academy Award winner. I wonder like, if she was just cashing the paycheck. You know, I, you know I, what? She's yeah. capable of that though. And I don't mean that as a negative thing. Like, yeah. I mean, she she's had a few performances where she's like, I'm not going to give this an Oscar. 
I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm good with being the third best person on a strong cast and cashing that check. Collect and the bag. I have no hatred for that. Good right. on when her. You're, when you're that good, go for it. Do what you want. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. <laughs> That's fair, but Florence just... Oh my gosh, she outperformed even Scarlet. It's her own movie. <laughs> like, like I felt that I honestly felt that Natasha was sidelined. I really did, just because it's a this film essentially is a setup for Yelena for the future of the MCU. And yep. no matter how you look at it, you could like many people have said that you can pluck Natasha out of this movie. And I wouldn't have noticed if she was gone, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And that sounds so bad, but it's the Yelena Belova show. And like why shouldn't it be? <laughs> she was it's kind fantastic. of it's kind of like it's kind of like the dark night of the whole thing. Jake and I have talked about this before. We're like Christian Bale is not by any stretch of the imagination anywhere close to being a top tier Batman, mm -hmm. but he was serviceable enough to keep things moving along. And the stories were sculpted to a point where everything was about Batman, but they didn't hinge on Batman himself in order to keep moving and be good, right? And I feel like that's kind of what this is, right? It, it, the script seemed to be self-aware to a certain point of like, okay, we're calling this movie Black Widow. Natasha is the one we're familiar with here, but really this is the vehicle to let everybody know that we're in the world of Yelena now. And nobody's going to complain, but you got to let everybody know, like we're in the world of Yelena now, right, yep. Jake? Absolutely. And I, well, and I think that not to, not to excuse it, because I, I do think one of the, I don't know if we're ready to have this talk yet, but I will say, I do think one of the weaker things of it is the sidelining of, of Natasha. Um, but that, that weakness makes way for the strength that is Yelena. So it's, it's a hard, it's a trade-off. And my point is, I think they knowingly made that trade yeah. because they looked at it and said, we've literally killed one of these characters already. There is no future for her moving forward. Whereas Yelena can now step in. And obviously she's already going to be a part of the Hawkeye series. I am going to be shocked if she is not a major player moving forward. Frankly, um, given the, the strength of the source material for that Hawkeye series, um, her addition to it makes me even more excited for that mm -hmm. series. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where they're going to take that. I, I, anyway, that's, that's a there's, whole other thing. Well, there's but. a lot of real estate there, but when we, when we talk about phase four, right. It, I, I'm not at all worried about the strength of the shoulders of people carrying the load, right. When you've got folks like Florence Pugh and Elizabeth Olsen and Haley Steinfeld and, you know, all, like, the, the those those folks have proven that that they can handle Anthony Mackie right like the, they're we're in more than good enough hands going yeah. forward right which is a, a nice reassuring thing to have and it's maybe one of those things maybe we take it for granted like if any of those had been botched we'd probably be sitting here like I'm so worried about phase four right. but like no one's talking about that anymore because we're just like oh phase four will be fine look who's over there like yeah. it, and that's it's a good spot to be in let's Let's dish on a couple of gripes here. I mean, because film criticism-ish, we're doing our best here. So um, surely there are a couple of things that maybe weren't quite as strong as we wanted them to be, maybe didn't quite work, or we're going, mm, maybe, I don't know. So Amanda, are there what stood out to you as maybe some pain points or maybe some things that you wish had been done differently here? Oh my God, Taskmaster. 
<laughs> here it is. Here it comes. Oh my God, Taskmaster. I w- listen. Twitter went ablaze on that one. I don't blame them because you know what? Taskmaster is one of the most wicked, wicked villains that Marvel has. They, he can mimic the other heroes. Like, that's just unreal. Yeah. And to be able to show that on screen now, officially, especially in a Black Widow film, you're introducing Taskmaster in a hand to hand combat film. Like, it was just going to be wicked. So, their first fight, I was on board. That suit, amazing. I was so hyped going into this. <laughs> and then, like, the review. The reveal of who this is. I'm not going to spoil, but like, what? Like, are you kidding? <laughs> All that buildup, he looks so cool. And I'm like, this is what you did. But then I remember- It is kind of a letdown, just a little bit. It is. It is a letdown. <laughs> like, I was just, because uh, like, um, I can't spoil it. But anyways, it's just, it was so unfortunate the way this happened. But then what I realized, and it is the weakest villain in the MCU, to be perfectly honest. Just the way of like how they revealed it. It just I just didn't feel like it was like strong enough for me. But then I look at the way phase four is structured. We look at all the television shows. In WandaVision, we thought it was gonna be Mephisto as the big baddie, mm-hmm. right? We thought it was gonna be Mephisto all over Twitter, Mephisto this, whatever. It ended up being like Agatha and then like White Vision that they had to fight. So it was very contained in their own world and that storyline. You go to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was power broker and, you know, the freaking flag smashers, unfortunately. Um, it was both of them and it was <laughs> contained to that storyline. And then Loki, I'm pretty sure it's also going to be contained to that storyline. So for Black Widow to have Taskmaster, you know, within the storyline, like it made more sense, but I'm still disappointed. I'm just very that's, disappointed. That's totally fair. It's totally yeah. fair. And, 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 and that's, that's one of the interesting things about as I think the way you captured it is great. The phase four thing is like figuring out how we're going to be navigating this villain thing mm-hmm. seems to be kind of the, the fun guessing game that they're liking to perpetuate online. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and the thing is with, with taskmaster is I think, I think you're onto something where like the initial reveal of we're going down this pathway was really, really great. And then when you see how the story is shaping up and then you realize, oh, this is where they're going paint by numbers. And then you're kind of disappointed. I think it was after the first major fight sequence with Taskmaster, Jake looked over at me and he was like, oh, it's going to be this person, isn't it? And he nailed it, right? Like he just completely called it out at that point because you could just tell with the way they were piecing the story together, like that was one thing that wasn't going to be particularly interesting once we got there. Can I say that? I don't have a real practical suggestion for how they would do this because one of the strengths of the movie to me is the pacing. I wish that we could have found a way for Taskmaster to exist more like a Terminator and, and be this like unstop because, and that's kind of how the characters presented initially, like you were talking about in that first fight. I feel like it's almost an invincible force there. And, but yeah. then it felt a whole lot more futile, like halfway through well, the movie. <laughs> And I, so I think for me, I wanted maybe one more really awesome fight scene with Taskmaster. Mm. Um, interestingly, I don't have a huge problem with the identity switch up, mostly because I, I think that, what's his name in the comics? Tony something, maybe Masters. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tony Masters Taskmaster. There it is, because he's not, um, he's a- <laughs> Dots are connected. He's most, <laughs> you know, he's a fun character. I think he's one of those characters that is more style than substance. He doesn't have a super deep backstory. 
although he's gotten a little bit of run lately with is it black ant he's good friends with and that's provided some new layers to the character but mostly he exists to be kind of like that really intimidating thug that another villain hires Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's an interesting thing. I have no issue with it. I don't know. It, to me, it's kind of like crossbones. People get pretty mad about what happened with crossbones. And I'm like, I get that. I, I recognize that. At the same time, when you're at an all-you-can-eat buffet and 90% of what you're being offered is like five-star stuff, maybe we don't freak out that we missed the really good jello. And so for me, it's like, Taskmaster is really, really good Jello, but you know, uh, so but it not the best Jello. Yeah, it just didn't kill me. But at the same time, so, I, wait, 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 wait. I'm so, in this weird so, middle ground. I understand the frustration. I just what's don't the comp here? It. So are we are we talking like Taskmaster is like green Jello with pears, or is Taskmaster like cherry Jello, and is untouchable? Like what? Or orange with mandarins. Like, what are we doing here? Whatever Taskmaster is, he's sitting next to like the really good fried chicken and the inexplicable, like delicious Chinese noodles, right? Like he's, and that's all it is. It's not that, it's not that Taskmaster sucks. It's that Thanos, you know, and all these brilliant villains. And so it's like, if you got to throw one of them away to get a thematic connection for this otherwise really great movie, I can live with it. I just wish we'd had more. Mm. Like I said, I feel the character style over substance. So give me a little more flash, right? Like I needed a little bit more of that style. And then if you want to switch up the big reveal, I can live with it. They, they can't all be toe for grace in Spider-Man three. I just, exactly. We can't <laughs> like, like making Jake angry. We, we have a rule on this show that like we try to be very positive and like the better part of fandom as much as we're able to. We're not perfect, but it's free. It's like open season on Spider-Man 3. Like anytime we need to get some rage out, we just let it fly at Spider-Man 3. I, I enjoyed Spider-Man 3. Well, everyone, so it's, been a, it's been a blast. Uh, thank you for tuning in to watching comics. We are... Oh, no. We no longer exist. This was our final episode. Okay. So yes, that, that's it. Thank you everybody for joining. Legitimate question here. Legitimate question. Th- this was my, my one big takeaway from this movie that I was just like a little unsettled with, right? Like for the pacing, as we said before, this movie is just fantastic. And I, and I love, I'm so happy that the familial connection here really was not just the center of everything, but that the energy was earned and established. And, and I, I finished this movie, not only feeling like it was wildly entertaining, but also that like, I I've got all of this new, like emotional real estate for Natasha and her family and appreciating this lineage here and everything like that. And I guess if, if we're talking about what we're nitpicking here, my nitpicking is like, why couldn't we have gotten this movie right after Civil War? Because the, the ultimate irony here is now that we're done with ScarJo, after her decade-long contract is finished, we're just now like, oh, hey, do y'all want some backstory on that character so you can like care about her some more? And I know that that's an oversimplification and there's nuance and everything and stuff like that, but you can't tell me that... Endgame and Infinity War aren't greatly enhanced with us having this entire experience that we had with Black Widow before Endgame and Infinity War, right? Like, Amanda, does that make sense? Because that's that was my big takeaway. It was like, I love that. Why didn't I get this five years ago? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. The entire time I was watching it, it's like, I don't want to say that it's pointless because I just don't want to say that. Um, yeah. But that's the word that, you know, kind of fits in this is because she is dead and ending. And then it's like, you know she's I mean? not here anymore. Bro, she's not here. Like, what do you, like, what do you expect us to like, give it like a crap about? Sorry. I'm just saying like, I, it was just, it was, it floored me. It floored me. Cause they're like, Oh my God, the vest, the vest that she wore in infinity. I'm like, yeah, that's great. If like it was placed before infinity war, <laughs> I would have cared. But like, you know what I mean? It just, it sucks that the placement is just so bad because not only that like it feels like a movie that should have been out five years ago Mm -hmm. like the structure of it the way that marvel's leaning in like Mm. heavy to like the multiverse in phase four yeah this placement just oh god it puts a strain on it it really does Mm. so that's a great way to capture it yeah it's just it's it's straining to like even the fact that they had to put the freaking blonde hair dye in the thing (laughs) dye her hair at the end of this movie to make like make it coincide with infinity war like it's small things like that but if you try not to think of it it's okay but at the same time to me for what Scarlet has done for the MCU. She's OG six. Mm. She should have had a standalone with Clint after the Avengers at the first mention of freaking Budapest. Like they should have had it together. Then after mm. Iron Man two doing it, like something, she should not have waited this long. Here, here. And like even Captain Marvel to get one before her, like that also just, and I'm not pitting female led films against each other. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying. <laughs> They'll find you on Twitter. Don't they worry. probably, they had, they did already. Every time I, every time I say something negative about Captain Marvel, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, bro, like that movie wasn't that great. <laughs> um, and it's not because it's a woman. I'm not saying that, but the like Scarlet deserved better if she fought yeah. for this for 10 years. And that's where I'm at. You're absolutely right. There's got to be something to show for that. And I get that. And, and I think at the heart, Part of this particular piece is the only reason we're feeling this way is because this movie was really damn good right like if the movie laid an egg it probably wouldn't have mattered but now we're sitting at the end of this movie going like i really enjoyed that they really gave me what we needed here so why couldn't we have just gotten this in sequence right because i i really i really want to have that emotional connection now going through to the rest of the way and as you said i think she deserved it right she deserved it we had an awful lot of black widow without giving her very much real estate to actually explore you know who that character was which is the ultimate irony here um jake i know you and i talked about that a little bit last night i don't know where where do you sit on this right you you're feeling more emotional a little emotionally connected to this character now and it's kind of like what is going on (laughs) well and that's just it is like you know by no fault of of scarlett johansson's you know i i think i said i don't want to give this guy much real estate but i i am gonna address i i almost feel like joss whedon did her a big disservice by like joss whedon messes everything up yeah and and like that that he jumps in is like let's humanize her by giving her a hysterectomy and um i feel like and then have the camera gaze on all certain on all the non-facial parts of her body exactly (laughs) and and so i think that like the i think that to be frank i think he undermined this character's trajectory from the start straight and unfortunately for me he did it successfully 
because while I've not, I don't hate the character prior to this movie, she is the one that I have the most trouble connecting with emotionally until this film. Mm-hmm. All that to say, you and I talked about this last night, and I, I don't mean this statement as a good, a bad, or an other, but as an observation from day one, from its announcement, this movie has felt kind of like an apology, like almost a mea culpa to to us, the viewers, to Scarlet the Star, to the universe of the Avengers that- You're has... speaking Amanda's language. She's nodding really hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Well, and, and I'm not- Preach. I, <laughs> there's so much to unpack with that that I don't even know that I can unpack how I feel about it. Because part of me wants to be like, you shouldn't have to make the apology in the first place. The other part of me wants to be like, well, good, it's about time. And then the other part of me wants to be like, well, you could have made it three years earlier. And so there's, there's so many layers to that. I think the reality is no one would argue that this character has not been mishandled up to this point. I think maybe the interesting question to me, just as an outside observer, is was the apology adequate? Mm. Mm. And I don't know, you know, I mean, because there's something to be said for like, you made a great point last night, Mitch, when I said... um, I said something to the effect, God, it was late. Um, I said something to the effect of, uh, what, you know, I wish this movie had come out, even if it had come out in between Infinity War and Endgame, right? Like it would have been telegraphing some things for us, I think. Yeah. We would have known she was going to die. But um, it, it did, if it comes out there, we have more of an emotional punch when she dies. Uh, but at the same time, you made the point that if this movie comes out any earlier, it doesn't have Florence Pugh in it. I know that's the ultimate thing, right? If this movie comes out in sequence, I don't know. May, maybe we do. At that point, Florence Pugh has Florence Pugh done Little Drummer Girl and Lady Macbeth. Has she done Fighting with My Family yet? Maybe not, right? So, so she's not completely Florence Pugh to those of us film Twitterers that have been, you know, following her for a while. Yeah. And so, at that point, it's tough, right? Because then you're like, well, well obviously Yelena is going to be the way. And so who's, who's Yelena without the Yelena that we're completely bought into now, which is, I guess if that's the case, I'm happy. And I don't want to gripe too much because if, if I get to follow Florence Pugh into phase four, I'm not going to complain. Right. I think we're all signing on for that. But at the same time, it's, it's an interesting wrinkle to think like, okay, I could have had more buy-in with Natasha at more strategic moments had they given her this movie at the right time, but at what cost? And now, and now Amanda, I'm second guessing everything. <laughs> I mean, that's completely fair. And to, to go off of, uh, of what he said, I just, um, I have to add the fact that like, I, I feel like Natasha has always been associated with the Avengers and they've always written her as a part of the six and like that's who she's linked to. And then as we see her in Black Widow, it's more individual. It's more of like her on her own trying to figure things out and then she bumps into these people. So um, the thing is, is that once you associate someone with a team for that long, when you detach them and you see that they're pretty bum on their own. Like, yes. <laughs> it's just like, where the hell was this the whole time? Like, where, exactly. was her, where was her personality? Like, she was quippy, yeah, but it was mm-hmm. like Joss Whedon quippy, which isn't always that great, to be honest. So I just, I look at it and like Natasha's writing has been inconsistent. Oh, for sure. Out of all of the MCU, like the ones that Joss touched, which was the Avengers and Age of Ultron, 
In between those guys, you had the Winter Soldier, which has the best Natasha Romanoff characterization, in my personal opinion. So you had the Winter Soldier, and then you went to Age of Ultron. Like, how pissed were you? Because I was pissed off when I watched that. It's kind of a miracle when you think about it. Obviously, she got paid and was in contract. I get that. And she's Scarlett Johansson. But, like, the character evolution side of things and us being bought into for this long, right? It's kind of a miracle that when you think about, like, she's been given the runaround more than than once. Yeah, and it just, it it sucks. It sucks. And, like, Age of Ultron is, like, the one that I hate the most because of what reduced her to. Mm -hmm. And what bothers me about Age of Ultron, sorry that I'm going off on a tangent, (laughs) but what bothers me about Age of Ultron is the fact that, like, we got to see flashbacks to the Red Room and you know, to her backstory. And I wanted to see so much more of that because we did get those flashbacks and then it was just like undercut. It was like, oh, but she's sterile. She's a monster and blah, blah, blah. Like you had those things being said mm-hmm. about her in that movie. And then it just, oh, yeah. They, they found like three or four different ways to put her in the fridge in that movie. And That's it was- exactly what yeah. they did. It was absolute, man, there's so much wrong yeah. with that film and you're, you're talking Whedon, top of a long list. Joss Whedon is where good things go to die. That's- yep. <laughs> That's, you know what? I've had a lot of takes on the internet over the years. A lot of them have been misinformed. Some of them have been fun, but I tell you what, there's been nothing that I've been happier to double down on for like 10 plus years is that, you know what? I don't like Joss Whedon. And here we are in 2021. And I'm like, y'all should have listened to me. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. Oh man. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm excited because this movie, like, I've said this before on the pod, like I tend to gravitate more towards like the singular nuclear type of movies, even if they connect to other things. Like when when I look at what I consider to be some of my favorite, you know, comic book movies, most of them are origin stories or singularly contained like events, right? Not to say that like Endgame or uh, the, the Snyder Cut are bad because I enjoy those movies, but for whatever reason, I resonate more with the storytelling of like, I want to follow a couple of characters as they grapple with some deep stuff that just seems to be what jives with me so knowing that about myself i was so happy to see that this movie stuck the landing and that it really was more than just a fun exciting ride it was well made and it was emotionally nuanced at at, at all of the right points and i just think that's a testament to to the fantastic filmmaking of the team of this movie and it and they did the cast right by collecting the right kind of cast but giving them the real estate that they needed to really knock this one out of the park um feels like we all really dig this movie which is a good spot to be and i hate ragging on stuff so this is this is good but i don't know like amanda what i know that we've only been living with this movie for a couple of days but like what what is your lasting impression overall of this one and and do you think it's going to hold up well as things progress oh it's a tough question um <laughs> <laughs> um i enjoyed it for what it was mm-hmm. but considering everything that happened to Natasha, I might like personally, I would not go back to revisit this as many times as I have like other films like Infinity War and like the Falcon and the uh, Falcon and the Winter Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, like those are my, my top, like even Black Panther is my top. So um, Black I Panther, would, yes, like, number bless. one. Um, mm. But I, I don't see myself re- revisiting the film for whatever reason it's still good like don't get me wrong but i'm ready to like 
let's move ahead with Yelena Belova block, like literally Natasha's dad, which is not, like power through, like it is what it is now. You had it made, it was under contract, yada, yada, yada. I do think it'll hold up if people really enjoy it and love it just because of the family moments, as I said, like, if you want to go check that out again, you can, but um, I personally do not see myself revisiting this film, unfortunately. That's fair. And you know what? I, that's an interest. And we could go on for a whole nother hour about that whole concept of like the difference between good movies and rewatchable movies and the ones that fit in the middle of that Venn diagram and the ones that don't, but that doesn't devalidate any of the others. Like that's just a whole nother thing. So that's cool. That's totally cool. And, and, and the interesting thing is like, I'm definitely there with you with the concept of like, okay, cool. Like let's give Florence Pugh the keys now and let me just ride in that car. Like, yeah. let's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Jake, where are you at, man? I think that uh, this movie is going to, I'm, I'm going full on prediction here, which is always dangerous, but I'm, I'm feeling you're a little pro- dangerous. You're the token prophet at watching comics. I am. Here. I get weirdly right about stupid stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure you're right. Like 40% of the time. And if we're playing baseball, you're in the hall of fame. Exactly. Uh, that's how I feel about it. Thank you. Um, so uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So I've got a, a, a minor take I've wanted to have all night. Can yes. I squeeze it in here? Yes. Okay. First, let me make my. <laughs> Amanda's prediction. ready. She's fist pumping. She's first, like, let me <laughs> do this. First, let me make my prediction, and then let me give my weird take. Um, my prediction is that this movie is going to achieve cult status. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's strange placement in the timeline of the MCU. Uh, Amanda, you brought to light, you know, and I'm I'm sitting here like it's only been 24 hours, and I'm trying to kind of live with this movie a little bit. Um, and it's on Mitch's account, so I'm not able to just watch it again at a moment's notice. Um, so I guess you can come over again, I suppose. Um, but so as I'm, as I'm living with it, you brought up, you know, the thematic weirdness of it with the direction the MCU is headed. And it doesn't feel like an intentional, cause you know, we know it was supposed to be out long before this. So yeah. it doesn't feel like an intentional deviation from that new direction you know, like, here's your breath of fresh air before we go back into the multiverse. It feels thematically out of place. For all those reasons, I expect what's going to happen. We're going to love it for the first year or so. The MCU is going to march on and we're not going to turn on it, but we're going to completely forget it. Five or 10 years. It's going to be Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk. This is just it. Down the line. We're going to love it, but we're going to forget it. That's friggin' exactly for a while we're going Damn to it, Jake, it. You're right and I'm mad now. down the road someone's going to write a think piece maybe we put it together right now and we don't publish it until like 2026 someone's going to write a think piece during a dead time between major superhero film releases and it's oh. going to go viral and suddenly it's going to be everybody's favorite movie and suddenly everyone said when they walked out of the theater that's the best movie in the mcu and it's going to get this cult status where people are going to be like best marvel movies infinity war black panther oh man but you know black widow it's like in a class of its own right and i knew that from the start so it's going to get cult I can, status i can see all the titles already it's like we owe black widow an apology or like 
More, pe- more that's more it. People, that's the article. More people should see Black Widow as it makes you know nine hundred million dollars. And, and I promise you, people are. It's going to be right at that point where we get more comfortable talking about the pandemic and its effect on the world, and we're going to be like, oh, we all overreacted because of the pandemic, and then we underreact, and it's just going to absolutely. So that's what I think happens with this movie. Um, realistically, I think that it is in my personal um semi-professional opinion one of my top 10 marvel films right now um i always reserve the right to be wrong until until Um, you forget about it until i forget about it for the next five years jake Jake our local social scientist this is how it's going down (laughs) so here is my hot take um a huge opportunity was missed huge colossal opportunity are either of you familiar with Nadia Van Dyne, the unstoppable wasp. No. Educate me, She only got a few comics. She got maybe, she got two series, but each one was canceled early. It was maybe 10 issues in the first run and six in the second. Uh, She's got a young adult novel coming out soon. They're going to try and run it back and do it again with Nadia. Nadia Van Dyne is an escapee from the Red Room who goes on to take up the mantle of Wasp after being adopted by Hope Van Dyne, the former wife of, uh, in in Marvel Comics, uh, original Ant-Man, Hank Pym. Um, All that to say, Nadia is an incredible character who her comics are both completely lighthearted and hilarious while very poignantly addressing that this is a character who was subjected to horrific things. And it, instead of letting it become a mopey navel gazy thing, it becomes this beautiful look at what it is to be resilient. And mm. she becomes this beacon of light for all these other people. She is one of the, one of the best characters of the last decade to come out of Marvel Comics. She should be standing shoulder to shoulder. Mitch, you and I have talked about these characters with Riri Williams and with Kamala Khan as the newest inventions of the last decade. But for some reason, for some reason, her comic never landed. I think part of it might've been the art has kind of a kind of a manga feel to it sometimes. And I think that some people uh, for whatever reason associate that with different themes that they don't want to be a part of. That's unfair, but it's the reality. Um, This character would live in the public consciousness as everyone's new favorite superhero. If they did it right, she should have been just offhandedly mentioned or get a cameo. Mm. somewhere in this maybe maybe she's taskmaster if they really want to go dark with it right but she should have been in it so that because marvel the mcu loves them some ant-man so that they could have introduced her in the upcoming ant-man quantum mania (laughs) ant-man and the wasp quantum ant-man's kind of low-key one of the most important components of their mcu i know they just just, they just love doing that they love trolling us and they love paul rudd and it all goes together um Nadia Van Dyne, (laughs) check her out. Um, If you have a Marvel Unlimited account, read The Unstoppable Wasp. It'll only take you a couple hours to get through every issue, unfortunately. Um, And uh, seriously, missed opportunity, MCU. Where are you at, guys? Why didn't you write the movie? Well, you know, we keep asking ourselves that. I keep sending them scripts. 
<laughs> um, did you guys do that when you were kids? Yeah. You would write like I would write like scripts or ideas for things and mail it to companies. I can't tell you how many like really kind rejection letters oh. seven-year-old Jake got from like different thing like no we don't want to do a ninja turtles batman crossover by the way that made a lot of money one day <laughs> um and so yeah that's oh, but i don't i'm in amanda are you in for this i'm, I'm in. totally and i am such a massive ant-man and the wasp fan so it'd be really cool to see more of them let's do it let's connect let's connect those worlds let's make it happen yeah. i jake i'm not throwing it out of the realm of possibility even for continuity things feige can figure it out well, absolutely. It can yeah. still be done. It's just, this was the chance. This was our, this was our best chance. The nice thing is right now is things could potentially get more zany because they can just throw the multiverse bandaid over everything. And it's, like, it's kind of, it's not unlike what they did with Endgame and infinity war when Tony Stark was just like, Oh, I'll just do a time travel thing. That's convenient. We'll figure it out. That's fantastic. Okay. So I have a feeling we may all land on the same spot, but we're going to, I'm going to ask this anyway, who won the movie? Amanda, we'll let you go first. Who won the movie? Oh, like which character? Like one? Any, it could be anybody. It's kind of a weird open-ended question we ask every time we review a movie. movie? Sometimes I've given really stupid answers. Sometimes (laughs) I've approached it realistically. So do what you want. I think there was one time where Jake was like, I don't know who won, but I know who lost and it was us. Was it New Mutants that <laughs> it may I have been the new, <laughs> It may have been the New Mutants episode I we did with our buddies that. over at Geek Hops. I love that. Oh my god! Um, if I had to say who won, it would be Florence Pew Pew as mm. Yelena Belova, hands down. And we won too because she's awesome. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we won because we got to watch her be awesome. <laughs> I can't disagree with that statement. <laughs> I mean, it's like yes. Yes, all the yes. Florence yeah. Pugh, just yes. Yeah. Jake, where are you at, buddy? Um, that's my real answer, but I hate giving the same answer as someone else. So I'll <laughs> pivot and say um, that movie theaters won because mm-hmm. they made $60 million for the first time in a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, that Marvel and Disney won because uh, why not have a few billion more? And so, yeah. Mm, the mouse controlling everything yep. god bless it i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna i'm gonna like yes i stand by the 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 florence pew selection. yeah that's the real answer yes he's the real answer <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say kate shortland uh just because i think after this movie she needs to be a more familiar name for movie fans and casual fans yeah. she clearly knows what she's doing her earlier work is hopefully going to be viewed by more folks now because of this which is always a great thing and she deserves to be trusted with with big budget, big, bold vision type of artwork. She proved that here. She she flew that plane and she landed it in, in perfection. So yeah, happy hope, for Kate Shortland. I hope Marvel locks her down for another film. Yeah. Like she clearly gets the universe if she wants if she wants for it. Like I'm I'm all for I'm all for anybody wanting to stay in that arena for as long as they want to. Yes, I'm if she for, wants to, yes. I'm also yeah. all for creative expression. If she's like, cool, I did that once. Now I want to take this to go make the movie I really want to make. Go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, that's like when yeah. we talked about um the Snyder cut and everybody, and we're like, well, 
you know, let's ask Zach if he wants to do more. <laughs> right? of these. Like, like, I know like, that we want the, shut up. Like, I know we no. want the Snyder verse, but like, has anyone asked him if he wants to do another? <laughs> Not a single person. No one on that petition asked his opinion. <laughs> it's like, we just want it. I don't care what he wants. Also, I freaking need Rebel Moon. I need that movie to happen. You'd be really happy. Oh, man. Black Widow, it's a thing, and it's not disappointing. It's thoroughly enjoyable. And, man, yeah, y'all check it out. If you haven't hit your local cinema or uh, bought it on Disney+, Plus, get at it. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. If nothing else, Florence Pugh is going to blow your mind because that's what she does. So, Amanda Garaji, it has been great having you with us. Thank yes. you so much, Amanda, for real. Um, why don't you tell everybody listening where they can find you online and where they can tell you how awesome you are and not fill your ats with vitriol. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was a fantastic conversation. You guys are both amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so much fun. You guys can always find me over at AMX. Eight. Oh my God, I'm screwing up my own name. <laughs> like, okay, uh, you guys can <laughs> rewind. You guys can always find me over at AMXND Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can check out my YouTube channel, Candidate Cinema, and my website, CandidateCinema.com. Awesome. Fantastic stuff as always, Amanda. You are one of the good ones out there. Thank you so much for sharing your work and your eye for cinema with us. And thank you for sharing your time with us. I think our audience is all the better for letting you weigh in on this in our space because you know more than we do. This is the way it is. So (laughs) thank you so much to Amanda Garaji. Jake, as always, you're no slouch, buddy. Nope. I'm I'm holding it down. I'm officially now the third best. I was the second best on this show. I've been knocked down a peg and I'm still proud to take that bronze. (laughs) And you take it with a smile on your face, buddy. Oh man. Thank you so much listeners for joining us. This is the watching comics podcast. Of course, hit us up on Twitter at watch comics pod. That's comics with an X at watch comics pod. We need to know your takes. We need to know what we were right about, what we were wrong about. Cause that's what Twitter's for. Hello. So hit us up on that. Um, Black widow. We know you have thoughts and there are a lot of gifts out there to be shared. We're ready for it. And of course, if you dig this show or if you dug this episode, we would greatly appreciate it. If you gave us a like and review on whatever pod platform of which you listen to us on. It's a great way to pay it forward. It helps people find us along the way. And if you do so, we promise to give you a lifetime supply of free high fives. Who can say no to that deal? Merch is launching later this month. Be on the lookout for that. And of course, we will be coming at you next week with some more awesome stuff. Thank you again to Amanda Garaji for joining us. We will catch you all later. Talk to you then. Bye.